This is an Indian Noir one-shot. Precious Things, Part 1 Before the pandemic lay millions of lives to waste across the Indian subcontinent, a strange phenomenon went unnoticed and unreported. Buses full of robed and hooded individuals travelled from village to village, from town to town, buying up vital medicines. When some pharmacists expressed apprehension at the sight of the strange figures, that requested large batches of painkillers, antibiotics and other essential medication, their concerns were allayed with large bundles of currency. Some of the shopkeepers observed that the hands that extended the notes were covered in tumorous growths. On one occasion, a pharmacist in a small town in Rajasthan had the misfortune of catching a glimpse of the disfigured face that hid underneath the hood. The puffed lips, slightly awed angles at which eyes were set on the face, the yellow-tinged hair and the tic-tac teeth covered in black rot haunted the man's dreams for the rest of his life. The strange creatures continued their journey across the length and breadth of India, purchasing chemical remedies, and when they were done, they returned to their hive, where they hoarded the valuables, waiting for the world to go to hell. Rajiv Sinkhal did not see this coming. His father was a conspiracy theorist who had been talking for years about a catastrophic breakdown of supply chains, social anarchy and scarcity of valuable resources. But Rajesh didn't buy into those silly fantasies. Then the virus emerged from China and realized every prediction his old man had recounted at dinner parties over the years. With the government gone, law enforcement institutions ceasing to exist and essential services disappearing, the manifest destiny of a country that attained freedom at midnight was left in the hands of scavengers and looters and smugglers. Professionals like farmers and doctors took to bartering goods in exchange for their services, even though they had limited resources at hand to do their jobs effectively. Dajesh's parents had been purchasing and hoarding gold for a time when gold would become the most valuable commodity on earth. Their foresight was a blessing. Although they were both taken by the virus, the gold preserved the lives of their only son, daughter-in-law and nine-month-old granddaughter. Only, you couldn't feed gold to a sick child. Rajesh and his wife looked on as their little girl mumbled feebly in her sleep. She was hot to touch 
and her breathing had grown laborious in the last few hours. His wife bit into the pallu of her sari and wept, a constant stream of tears streaking her face with wet patches. Rajesh couldn't bear the sight anymore. His heart broke into a million pieces. Their neighborhood doctor had examined the child in exchange for a gold coin and asked them to get hold of any medication that can bring down the fever. Knocking on doors and calling in favors from friends and acquaintances did not yield results. The usual operators who supplied them with fuel and food and other necessities in exchange for the gleaming yellow metal were out of the medicines they so badly needed. In the absence of paracetamol and similar antipyretics, they tried home remedies featuring ginger and neem-infused steam and cold patches. But the child's condition worsened. You have to act now, the doctor had said. Rajesh was pacing in the kitchen, racking his brain for solutions, when a sudden gust of wind cut through the room. It dislodged a pamphlet on top of the fridge, and the piece of paper floated down and landed at his feet. He picked it up and looked at it. A minimalist piece of advertising, it featured the symbol of a pentagram or a five-pointed star, and underneath it, the following words typewritten. Ossetan Essential Stores For all your important shopping needs Medicines, rare foods, electronics, life-saving equipment Reasonable prices Take first exit on Highway 85 towards Kalburgi Fifth unpaved road to the left Drive all the way to a large banyan tree covered in saffron ribbons Rajesh had found this taped to electric posts in the neighborhood six months ago and grabbed one and brought it home. He couldn't believe he had totally forgotten about it. Seema, he shouted excitedly. Belbir Maulavi a former professor of math had driven eight hours to arrive at the banyan tree covered in ribbons. His asthma was so bad at this point, he thought he was going to pass out. His supply of Ventolin had run out two days ago, and when he failed to source the puffer through the usual channels, he made a decision to follow the instructions on the ad and make the long trip. He had packed all the valuables he owned in a cloth bag, lest the sellers demanded a high price for the medication. That is how desperate he was for a quick mist of the medicine. The ribbons failed to cheer up the ominous aspect of the monstrous ancient tree. Its branches and aerial roots hung about like vicious tentacles waiting to reanimate at the sight of its prey. A hastily scrawled arrow on a cardboard attached to a wooden pole planted in the earth drew his attention to a path that led into a heavily wooded area. 
dilapidated battlements which belonged to a small old fort peeked out from the top of the trees. Probably a defensive outpost from the time of the Mughals. The man heard what he initially thought was the susurration of wind in the leaves of the giant tree. He paid close attention to the muted sounds and teased out strains of ancient demonic whispers. It sent chills down his spine. He headed towards the ruins, trudging through a field of tall grass and past a clump of dying trees. The intense wheezing and the terrible constriction he felt in his chest helped him conquer the sense of foreboding that clawed at him as he reached the doorless entrance to the medieval structure. Right next to the yawning mouth of the passageway that led into the fort, he spotted a giant slab of rock rising out of the earth. It featured the following words hastily scrawled with a chalk in a child's handwriting. Welcome to Branch 345-X2, Ossetan Essential Stores. They must have other branches around the country, the professor mused. The passageway was not well lit, and his poor eyesight made going tough. Hello, anybody there? he inquired aloud. The professor was not surprised that a contraband store would be hauled away in an old ruin such as this one. But still, a knot of uneasiness tightened in his belly. An incandescent bulb suddenly came alive at one end of the walkway. It cast a yellowish hue on an ancient door that the professor was certain led to a vast chamber of stolen goods. He smiled as he wondered what dragon guarded this hoard. He had to admit he was a bit excited about the whole adventure. When he reached the door, he knocked on it. The door opened and at the exact same time, he felt two hands push on his shoulders from behind. He fell face down on the stone floor and passed out. When he woke up, he found himself strapped to a wooden bed with old blood-stained wrist and ankle cuffs. Three malformed figures, sporting hideous faces and bumpy heads covered in moles and tousled hair, were sharpening blades of different sizes and shapes. The professor tried to scream, but his asthma was so bad, they came out as a series of rattling coughs and pathetic wheezing cries. This will be quick one of the creatures said as they held him down. A saw was used to cut open his chest carefully and his live organs were examined. The pain-crazed professor saw disappointment in the face of his monstrous oppressors. They clearly thought very little of his diseased lungs. We will have to discard them. One of the mutated humans said, But the other bits look good though. 
a nice offering to our master. They chopped and snipped and pulled at the innards of the elderly man, all the while enjoying the soundtrack of his shrieks. 